Welcome to the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for readers and writers of gay romance fiction. If you can read it, write it, watch it, or listen to it, these two guys are going to talk about it. Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Adams and Will Knaus. Welcome, everyone, to episode number 10 of Jeff and Will's Big Gay Fiction Podcast. I'm Jeff. And I'm Will. And here we are, episode 10. Can you believe we've done 10? That's so cool. 10 of them, yeah. 10, yeah. How was your week? Um, maybe I should have thought about this a little more before we started. Um, I was fine. <laughs> I don't, I can't, well, I can't complain. It wasn't, <laughs> it was a week. It I was, mean, yeah, I guess it was a week. Nothing, I didn't travel, yay. It just, it was a week. I edited most of the week. Yeah. I have stacks of paper that I moved off the desk to make room for the podcasting equipment. <laughs> And then I'll move it all back over so I can edit some more. Yeah. Um, and then you'll be reading for me next week for Breakaway and Score, which is good. Mm-hmm. And I worked in a little writing, too, but I edited more than anything else this week. Um, some other interesting things that actually went down this week. I read a lot this week of not my own material, which was kind of fun. Uh, wanted to call out that I've read Adam Yang's Red Envelope, his holiday story, uh, which actually focuses on the Lunar New Year, which isn't until February. So it's outside the normal realm of the holiday stories that are floating around out there that cover Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, etc. This one's actually in the Lunar New Year. It was a delightful story. I can't wait to read more from him um, as he as he works on his future pieces. Um, there's a my review. I'm going to link up to in the show notes so people can see it. And I highly recommend you pick up this this short story from this brand new author because it was really good. Uh, Also want to mention this week, another person who's been on the podcast with us, uh, Wade Kelly, has her book, No Jocks Don't Date Guys, coming out uh, today. It hits the the, uh, virtual newsstand uh, from Dream Spinner Press. Uh, I have a review that I'll link up to as well. And she's also stopping by jeffadamsrights.com on her blog tour. Uh, She's given away some cool stuff on the blog tour. Uh, she will be talking about where her muses come from for her various characters. It's a very good blog post that she's uh, got offered up. So hopefully you can uh, jump over and check that out at some point in the next few days. Um, also want to mention, this was my, my kind of my cool thing for the week. Um, Hat Trick 3, Penalty Shot, got nominated in the Goodreads MM Romance Group Members' Choice Awards for 2015 for Best Athlete Slash Coaches which I'm kind of excited about. Um, I would love to see the boys win in their final outing in a book. Um, but I have to say, as a reader, I'm also a little torn because him by uh, Serena Bowen and Ellie Kennedy is nominated in the same category. And I'm honored to be next to them. And I honestly don't know who I'd vote for if I would vote for my own <laughs> book or if I would vote for theirs. Uh, there are several other uh cool books, including another hockey, at least one other hockey book in the running. Um, I don't know when the voting starts and the nominating actually ends, uh, but I'll be keeping an eye on that. I'll let people know when they can maybe go vote for me if they want to. Oh, sounds exciting. Do you know when the voting closes? I don't. I should have looked that up before we started. Um, Nominations are still open, at least right now, um, for the myriad of categories, so... Support the authors that you like Most and that you love and yeah. go to Goodreads if you're a, you have to be a member of the MM Romance group to participate. Um, we'll link to that in the show notes so you can get there. 
and you know support your fellow your your fellow authors if your fellow authors as well as the the authors that you love to read and nominate them uh, for the books that you love this year. It's it's a really excellent uh, competition they have over there in the in the in the group. Mm, cool, sounds fun. It is. Yeah. Yay. Now let's move on to more fun, where I'll actually get you to talk a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll let, let me uh, pipe up here real quick. Yeah. Um, we're going to talk about last week's question of the week. Um, uh, as you may recall, last week we asked what was the first uh, gay gay novel or gay romance that you read. Uh, we had several people answer. Um, had a lot of really great responses. Um, and, uh, let's get to some of them right yeah. now. I don't, I don't know what I was... <laughs> it felt like you were going to do some more there. Oh, I, I, I don't know. I was hoping maybe something snappy or zippy would come to me, but, I, you know, dead air. Well, awesome. it wasn't totally dead air. Awesome. Okay, so first, let's get to it. Linda wrote that Double Full by Kendall Alexander was the uh, first gay book she read and she says that she hasn't read a straight book since go kendall alexander that's right (laughs) look what you did there kendall you you, you converted somebody permanently awesome um zam author z.a maxfield uh chimed in on this one with not a book but a film uh she called out my beautiful laundrette uh, that ends in a happily for now state, at least as she recalls. She's a little fuzzy as she wrote this, whether she's remembering it wrong or if it's actually how the movie goes. Uh, but it was the first love story that she saw uh, between men that she remembers not ending tragically. Because, of course, that was a big thing. Uh, anytime a gay character showed up somewhere, that it always ended badly for them for many years. Uh, she writes that uh, she has never forgotten certain scenes in the film, uh, even if she's imagining it, she says. Um, And it's actually a movie that led to her uh, taking up writing, one of the reasons that she writes, because she wanted to rewrite stories where the characters ended up apart. So she really wanted to get into the writing to make some happily ever afters Mm -hmm. uh, for men, which was great. Anna mentioned that Handyman by Claire Thompson was her first book. Um, funny and funnily enough, she says, it turns out that coming out late in life is one of my absolute favorite tropes in the genre. And I wonder if I am biased due to the first book I read. Um, I enjoyed that book a lot. It's really good. And if, uh, if you like late bloomer stories, uh, check that one out. Handyman by Claire Thompson. It's good. Kathleen says that her interest in MM romance started in a in a male-female-male romance series that included a male-male-female story. Uh, she was intrigued, even though she doesn't remember what that story was, but she knows it was sometime in late 2010. Uh, and one of her earliest reads after that was Fatal Shadows, uh, part of the AE Mystery series uh, by Josh Lanyon. Uh, and she loved it, and the entire series is something that she loved. Um, and the real effect for her was a development of caring for the LGBT community in real life. And it has continued to grow over the years with her remaining a staunch supporter of the community. Uh, I love that story. We saw a couple of these coming in the comments uh, where catching on to a male-male romance actually translated to some real-life support for the community, which is awesome. So it's great to see uh, the, uh, the genre authors have that kind of impact on people. Yeah, indeed. 
uh, Ken mentioned that his first book was The Lord Won't Mind by Gordon Merrick. Yay! This is one of the books that I forgot to mention uh, last week when I when uh, Jeff and I answered this this particular question. Um, the Peter and Charlie Trilly, trilogy, of which uh, The Lord Won't Mind is the first book. Um, uh, really great series. Um, Lord Won't Mind is a great book. Um, highly recommended if you're interested in uh, delving into um, some classic gay lit with really kind of... We could probably do an entire series of shows on the books of Gordon Merrick. Yeah. They're kind of... They're... They're... They're soapy and, like, turgid and just... They're... Ugh! They're the best stuff ever. Yes. <laughs> um, so, uh, good for you, Ken. I, I agree with you 100%. Great book. I liked what he what he said in his answer, too, that he grew up in small-town Mississippi, and on a trip to Jackson, he found the book. Um, and was so shocked to see it available just out there at a time when no one was really talking about gay and queer in public. And he said it reaffirmed to him that there were others out there somewhere, which I think is, is really cool. Um, and I'm, I'm with you. You turned me on to the Merrick books fairly early on in our relationship, and they're awesome. And they've got that nice new ebook packaging now that came out last year um, for anybody who's new to the books. Uh, Jen, uh, this is the last one we'll do. Jen, I had to pick this one because this is a favorite book of mine. Uh, Serena Bowen's understatement of the year. Uh, she says that Graham and Riker embodied what I'd seen on the news or vaguely heard about, but Graham's hatred for himself helped me leave ignorance behind. I am a Christian. I'm not passively Christian. Graham reminded me that love is far more important than anything else. Uh, yeah, that's an amazing book. And we'll actually talk more about that in a couple of weeks because it's one of my favorites of 2015. Uh, moving on, we have an interview this week. Uh, Brandon Witt is, uh, we recorded an interview with him a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I have recently read When the Stars Fall, as well as his just released Christmas story called Christmas Miracles of a Recently Fallen Spruce, which we talk a lot about in this, along with some other great topics, including what's up for him in 2016. So let's talk to Brandon. Welcome, Brandon, to the podcast. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited and a little nervous, but it'll be fun. Yeah, don't be nervous. You're surrounded by, by a Christmas sparkle back there. You'll be fine. That's very true. So for those who may not know you and your work, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, you'd think I'd be prepared for that question. <laughs> um, so the long story short is I have been a special ed teacher for the past 15 years and just quit teaching this last school year, so last May, and moved into writing full-time. That doesn't mean I'm getting paid anything for it yet, which means things are a little scary at the moment. But uh, I've got five books published so far with Dream Spinner, and then next year we have four slated to come out, so things should start rolling here pretty quickly. So That's um, exciting. Yeah. So you've got your Christmas story coming up uh, that'll already be out uh, by the time this airs. Uh, called Christmas Miracles of a Recently Fallen Spruce, which I think is an awesome, awesome title. Uh, I haven't gotten a chance to read this yet, so tell us a little bit about it and where the inspiration came from. Well, this is going to sound a little morbid, but um, I had never even heard of Dream Spinner's Christmas Advent thing. I guess they deliver one every day for the first or for the whole month of December, I think is how it works. Yeah. Um, 
and I was all excited to write this story, and then my dog died. Um, I had two dogs die in the past year, and Dolan was my last one, and he died right before I was slated to write this, and I didn't know how in the world I was going to get into the Christmas spirit, because this was in July, and being kind of an emotional basket case. And for some reason, it turned into this kind of sarcastic, snotty, really funny story. I have, which isn't typically my, my, the way I write. Most of the time, I kind of pull on heartstrings and and make really thing everything kind of angsty. So I have no idea why my psyche went. Let's make this funny. But it's definitely the funniest story I've ever written. Um, it's just about a a guy who. Well, let me back up. My favorite night typically of the Christmas season is I have a gay boy Christmas dinner and all my best gay guys come over and I cook and we exchange dirty or tacky presents, that kind of thing. So the character in the story does that, and but he's way type A. And so after he's done preparing on Christmas Eve, he goes and takes his annual snowshoe hike to kind of just, you know, let it all go and get ready for the party the next day. While he's doing that, this guy zooming on a snowmobile almost runs over him and ends up smashing into a recently fallen spruce. Um, so it's about their night together out in the snow with broken snowshoes and snowmobile and um, his type A weirdness coming out. So there was a really long explanation of that little bitty short story. I think it was longer than the story it is itself. <laughs> I'm looking forward to reading that. I start getting... Uh... The story is December 1st, so they'll be clicking into my email box one a day. So it's, yeah. it's a lot of fun. I, if you haven't, if you're not getting the whole package, I highly recommend it. No, I bought the whole package. I, I'm really looking forward to it, too. So we'll be reading it about the same time then. I guess we will. Yeah. Um, so what would you say the trademark of a Brandon Witch story is? You mentioned pulling on the heartstrings a little bit. Huh. I think that's one of them. Um, kind of sounds like I'm tooting my own horn here, and I don't mean it that way, but I. I really try to make um, my characters as real to life as possible. And probably not everyone feels that way just because they're true to my life. But I, hopefully that comes across. There's always quite a bit of angst. Um, and 99% of the time, there's a happy ending. Um, I've only done one without one. And I think I learned my lesson from that. I got crucified. So. The ones coming out next year all have happy endings. Um, but I think just uh, the reality of the stories. There's a little fantasy of romance in there as well, but I think that's my trademark, probably. I think you can see people you know in most of my characters. Yeah, I, I felt that way with the one that I just read. I, I just finished In the Stars Fall, uh, the audiobook, a couple mm -hmm. days ago. And it really rang true um, across the board, I thought. Thanks. Um, when you're writing, are you typically plotting or pantsing or some combo or what's your what's your typical method? I'm a little type A as well, like that other character. So I tend to map out not overly detailed, but a pretty detailed outline and pages upon pages about each character, about their families, about people that impacted them, even if they don't show up in the story. Like by the time I sit down to write, know my characters pretty much inside and out um, and have the loose outline to go by. But sometimes, as all writers say, they kind of surprise me and do their own thing every once in a while. 
which is always my favorite part, but I'm more of a planner. Yeah, I, I kind of thought so just by how complex some of, of uh, how complex some of stars was. It was so between going back and forth between Travis and, and Wesley and including POV from some of the, the supporting characters and just taking such a long arc because that book went on for maybe a year, I think, or close to it. It probably felt like it, yeah. <laughs> no. no, I think the, the timeline is about a year, which is weird because almost all my stories um, are about a year. I don't know why I think in that time frame, but I've noticed that in the three I've written and the other one I'm starting now that almost all of them are about a nine months to a year. I don't know what that is. So your your dogs are immortalized in that book, um, at least by name. Uh, were those accurate descriptions of Duncan and Dolan? Yeah, they. Uh, that's exactly who they were. Um, and I knew I was going to write that book before I had any plot or knew what was happening. I knew it was going to be about them. And then the family of kids that um, is based off a family at church that I was going to at the time. Those kind of showed up later but it was all going to be about Duncan and Dolan. So that was a real blessing to get that finished because I lost both of the boys after that. So I'm really glad they immortalized was a good word. So I'm glad that's there. I feel like people that like the book have gotten to know my dogs. Uh, that's kind of nice. Even, even more so now that I, I actually know that, cause I found that in your bio, I think on Amazon um, that you, that those were your dogs. And so I'm like, wow, if they're really like that, that's pretty awesome. No, <laughs> they really were. Duncan was always serious and right by my side, and Dolan was sweet and about the dumbest thing you ever saw. <laughs> Literally, we would go on walks, and he would be so excited just to be walking. He'd be staring back at me the whole time and would run into walls. That happened many times. So, wow. Actually, a lot of the animals in that story were true because i grew up in missouri where that story is based so like the buffalo were my grandpa's buffalo his favorite one was named jared i had chickens and cows so i don't think there was a fake animal in that book so that's pretty cool um and i liked your your inclusion of religion because that that doesn't happen in i think the way that you presented it in too much of our fiction it's always the church is bad and here you presented a church that kind of split the difference between depending on who was preaching at the time. Yeah. That is definitely not true to life from where, <laughs> where that book is set. Um, the first book that I based there was definitely true to life because the church was very much the antagonist or the, I don't know, the conflict setter of the first story. And this one I felt like I needed to lighten that up a little bit. And so kind of based it more off of gay-friendly churches here in Denver. But so there was a little fiction there for sure. <laughs> so Dreamspinners ventured out with you this year with a couple of audiobooks, uh, with Stars um, mm -hmm. and then Shattered Door also. How's the experience for you going from the written word into having someone perform your work? That was a huge dream of mine, and it was something I begged my publisher for because I'm not a big seller. I haven't sold very many books and I, I don't know quite how it all works, but you have to hit some magic number before it really pays to have an audiobook made. Um, so the reader, and I'm nervous and can't think of Andy, 
McFerrin, who is fantastic, was willing to split profits with me instead of getting paid. Um, so he's really the only reason either one of them were turned into audiobooks. But I couldn't believe, one, that he was willing to do that, and two, that he fell in my lap, because he is better than I ever dreamed a reader could be for those books. Um, and I listen to audiobooks more than I do actually reading them anymore. So I loved it. It was truly, truly magical. I really enjoyed Stars. He did a great job he capturing did. everybody. I mean, it was just, it was so good. Yeah, all the stories he had done before that were zombie stories, I believe. So I wasn't sure if he was, I was like, huh, I don't know how you're going to pull this off. No one's eating anybody, but that is fantastic. That's quite the jump from zombie story <laughs> to that. <laughs> He's done a few others, but most of them are a zombie series. So he's good. You mentioned uh, 2016 a little bit, and you've got four coming out. And I saw on your site that you've got, it looks like, three coming out just in the first half of the year alone. Tell us a little bit about what we've got to expect. Uh, well, in January, you've got – I even wrote them down because I knew you were going to ask and I'd forget the names. <laughs> the Imperfection of Swans, which a lot of people have seen the cover for already because it was a – picture of my best friend that I took a few years ago. Um, and in real life, he's a very high power corporate kind of personality, but also has struggled with an eating disorder um, while dreaming of opening a bridal shop, believe it or not. So he gave me permission to use all of those real life details and then kind of just go fiction the rest of the way. So it's about this man opening his bridal shop, falling in love, it all happens in Boston. Um, and then at the same time coming to terms with an eating disorder. Um, and despite how angsty that sounds, there's quite a bit of hope and humor in that story. Um, and then March or April, I think, Under a Sky of Ash comes out, and I have yet to figure out how to describe that book without giving it all away. So I'm not, not really sure how I'm going to ask people to buy it and not be able to tell them anything. But there's several twists in that story. Um, it's the only book I've written so far that the whole time I wrote it, I was like, I'm really loving this. Like, I'm confident in this, um, which could be the kiss of death. I don't know. Everything else I've ever written, I've gone, oh, this is shit the entire time. Um, so I'm excited to see how that how people respond to that one. Um, and then right now I'm working on The Son of Money, which is about a really rich character or the son of a rich family who this is going to sound cliche, but... Um, kind of rejects the whole family and turns to a form of prostitution. And then all of that comes to light and lots of family drama ensues. And I really wanted to take a look at uh, sexuality and slut shaming, basically, just because even in our genre, I think sometimes that gets a bad rap. <laughs> so, so there we go. That's what's coming so far. And then a new series is starting by the end of the year. So, is there going to be any more Men of Myth? Hmm. I'm dying to write more Men of Myth. I have um, up to seven of them planned out, but I'm planning on it going to 12. But unfortunately, gay fantasy that isn't paying any bills at all. So, those are all on hold until I'm assured that I can eat. And then I plan on writing those and mixing those in with the contemporary romance. But I'm dying to get back to that because that's kind of my. That's my baby, is the fantasy. Most of everything I listen to and read is fantasy. So okay. we got to get people to start paying your bills then. So yeah, you can do. Get back on the boat. 
<laughs> so you mentioned uh, previously that you have you know shifted over to being full time writer now. How's that going? It's amazing. Like it's. I wondered if I would be bored out of my head when I wasn't leaving the house, or if I could really make myself sit down and write for that many hours a day. And it has been everything I hoped it would be. Like I've been pleasantly shocked. The only drawback is the absolute terror of it all. I wake up at four in the morning sometimes just panicked about how this is gonna work. Um, not that it's the end of the world if I have to go back to a nine to five, but I'm hoping not. Um, it's also added a lot more pressure during the writing, which I, for some reason, didn't expect, although I should have. Um, knowing that not only do people need to like your books, but they need to sell is a whole other kind of pressure in the back of your mind as you're as you're trying to write and be true to the creative process instead of giving in to that terror. So that's the only drawback, and it's small in comparison to how great it's been. What's your typical writing day like? Hmm. Uh, I wake up at 7.15 every day, which is sleeping in hugely compared to the 5.30 I would get up for teaching. Um, I make breakfast and then do a three to four hour writing session, leave and go to the gym or take a walk or something for an hour or two and then come back and do another three or four hour writing session. Um, and then in the evenings do stuff like this or try to do some marketing things or that kind of stuff. So, and that's each day, every day, <laughs> except for Fridays. I take Friday off to be with my nephew. Nice. Sounds yeah. like a great day. I aspire to that someday. It's a pretty marvelous day. I'm not going to lie. I love it. So it's very appropriate you're sitting uh, in front of all the Christmas decor because uh, I know, you know the hashtag blame branding cropped up <laughs> earlier because you did decorate around October 24th. Uh, what gets you so into the Christmas spirit so early? <laughs> Well, the Blame Brandon was thanks to Poppy. She's a Christmas fiend too, and I don't know where she came up with that, but I liked it. Um, without getting too heady, I think Christmas was one of the few times where as a kid we were just, I was just happy all the time. I didn't let all of the religious pressure and all that stuff, even as a little kid, that kind of weighed me down. But for some reason at Christmas with how much my dad decorated he would put up three or four trees in the house and i don't know everybody was just happier it was prettier i liked the presents for sure but it was always more about the tree and the family and the lights and all of that which is strange considering how religious my family was it should have probably been more pressure in that way but it wasn't so um it's just really soothing and happy to me now so I put it up early because I like it and like it's a lot of work. That thing took five or six hours and if I'm gonna work that long on something, I think we were talking about that earlier, I'm gonna enjoy it for a while. So. Yeah, that, that's exactly our, our idea here too, although we didn't go quite that early. We only, we only did ours the weekend before Thanksgiving. Maybe we'll follow in your footsteps next year though. You should join the crazy train. It's that's fun. right. <laughs> uh, so you've got a new character you've been talking about coming to the witty hour. Uh, tell us a little bit about her and, and what this show's actually about. <laughs> well, I'll answer those backwards. Well, sort of. <laughs> you can't really answer what it's about because hell if I know. Um, I started filming this little show called The Witty Hour about two years ago probably, and I was still teaching. Um, 
and I'm not one of those writers that can just sit down and write anywhere, anytime. I'm very routine, and for me to be able to function and be creative, I have to be in that routine. And that just wasn't able to happen very much when I was teaching so much. So I think the witty hour was just my way of doing little small parts of getting creativity out. So there's me on there, of course, but then I do a couple characters of one of them's this British British asshole kind of character who reads my bad reviews from Goodreads um, or Amazon and makes fun of the or makes fun of me. Actually, he always agrees with the bad reviewers, um, and that was just partly also a way for me to deal with bad reviews because they would really affect me. But if I made them stupid and this British guy calling me an asshole, it was kind of funny. Um, and then I've got two drag queer characters, Judith, who's this religious nut, um, right wing kind of thing, probably dealing with some of my own past there. Um, this hippie character girl and this new one coming out uh, in January. I haven't named her yet, but I'm hoping to pull in other MM authors and do kind of like what we're doing now, except this girl will be interviewing them and kind of just make it this funny, stupid thing. So I always say on the show, I don't understand why anyone watches it because it's kind of funny and kind of just sad to see a grown man doing all of this stuff, but I enjoy it. So no, I, I went with the funny aspect of it myself. When <laughs> I checked it out. Um, let us know when that comes out. We'll definitely, you know, hype that when it uh, shows up on the podcast. Thanks. I will. Does it come out on any particular schedule, or does it just come out when you're moved to record? Well, now that I'm writing full time, I do one episode in between each book that I write. Um, but I'm changing that in January too, because right now each episode is like eight to fifteen minutes. So I'm thinking. I'm going to just do little vignettes. So like, let's say we'll do Artie one day and it's a three or four minute video. And then the next week or two, you'll see the interview girl or something like that. A bunch of smaller segments for one who sits down and watches a 15 minute show on YouTube. Not too many people. So I think it might reach a broader audience too in smaller sections. So it's all about to change come January. Awesome. It's, it's a relaunch. With the R2.0. <laughs> exactly. Take two. So what's something that you could tell us about yourself that readers don't know? <laughs> that is probably hard to come up with because I tend to overshare every single thing on Facebook. It's kind of vile how much I <laughs> view out there. Um, something they don't know. I think... <laughs> Speaking of Facebook, I took a Facebook quiz or whatever today. How bitchy are you? Uh, yeah, and I got 100% bitchy, which a couple of readers then posted, no, you're not. You're totally sweet and lovely, and that's because they've met me at GRL, and um, I'm definitely a Gemini. I have the very sweet side to me, and then I'm 100% bitch other times. So maybe that part that I'm a little bit uh, – why do I want to share that, that I'm a horrible, bitchy person? But I guess that's it. Surprise. <laughs> I was surprised when I saw that. I'm like, that's not who I sat next to for three hours. <laughs> I think only in rare occasions. <laughs> I pick my battles. That was totally in moderation. But when I do, they're there. <laughs> so we've got a, uh, a feature on the podcast where we ask question of the week. And so you get to answer this week's question. Okay. Which is, what's the first gay novel or gay romance that you read? 
and what did it mean uh, to you? That is so easy. Um, I had read a whole bunch of gay novels before, um, before the one I'm getting ready to talk about, and every single one of them, everyone ended with suicide, HIV, or both, um, which is part of the reason I, well, I'd always wanted to be a writer, but I wanted specifically to do gay books, not just because I was gay, but because of that. It was horrible. The first book that I read that wasn't that was um, Eric Arvin, Woke Up in a Strange Place. Um, I don't know if you've read that one, but if not, it, you should. It's my, I love all of his stuff, but it's my favorite of his. It was the first one I read where it was beautiful. The characters weren't sad or evil. There was death in it, but it was all about um, this journey through a heaven-like place. Uh, and it was just lovely, absolutely lovely. And it made me contact Eric and just say, I loved your book. Um, thank you for writing it. And Eric, being Eric, who I didn't even know at the time, wrote back a couple different times and was really sweet, encouraging, asked questions, and realized that I was also an author. Um, but I hadn't been published. I'd been trying to get published for over seven years at that point. And he recommended Dream Spinner, who I hadn't heard of. And so I always credit him with the reason I'm published. But it was because of that book. So I'm glad you asked that question. Nice. That's a good answer. If the listeners haven't read that, they should skip mine for the minute and get that one. It's wonderful. I got to pick that one up, too, because I haven't read that either. It's fantastic. So now you get to, to give a question that we'll use for next week. Oh. So what's the most curious thing you want to ask like listeners to the podcast? What comes to mind? Am I asking a listener or asking another author? It could be either, because I mean, we build this for, for as it's for authors and readers. So okay. it could you could ask it specifically from a reader point of view or an author point of view. We'll see what people come back with. Okay, I think I'm going to make it a little self-serving. Um, What's your favorite Brendan Whip book? <laughs> well, not that self-serving. <laughs> then there'd be no question about how much of a bitch I am. Um, there's so many uh, subgenres already in the MM world, but what's a story that you want to read that you haven't heard yet, either through this really weird character or a completely different setting that no one's thought of? Um, so that's my question. What's the new thing that you're looking for that you haven't been satiated with yet, maybe? However, okay. I'll trust you, Jeff. <laughs> that's interesting. And we'll, we'll see if it comes to be something besides shifters and paranormal, maybe. What yeah. comes after that? What comes after? Right. I mean, surely someone out there is like, why hasn't someone written this book? Well, what's that book? Yeah. Then we'll all scramble over it trying to get it written. Exactly. <laughs> really find out who the bitches are. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the best way with people to connect with you? Uh, Facebook. Easily. I don't understand Twitter very much. Um, so probably Facebook. And I also have an email account on my website um, or that links to my Gmail. So that's pretty easy too. I know Facebook sometimes goes to that other folder, which I forget about. Uh, yeah. But yeah. I hear but they're I getting rid of that soon. You on your author page, I don't know if it goes to that. I think that's safe. So, so right. We'll link up to all this stuff uh, in the show notes for episode 10. Um, is there anything else you want to tell people? <laughs> 
I don't think so. I think you covered a lot. That was pretty impressive, kind of a whirlwind. So, but I appreciate you asking me on here and anybody that was listening. Hopefully everybody has a good Christmas. You should put it up earlier next year. So, yeah. We'll, we'll see who goes first next year, if it'll be us or you or who knows, someone that you've inspired this year to, to do it back there in October. <laughs> we'll see. Maybe around 4th of July, someone will start putting it up. Oh, my goodness. That, that would be way too early because it's way too warm at that point. That is true. I won't disagree with you there. No. All right. Well, Brandon, thanks so much for being with us. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jeff. I greatly appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. That was a great interview with Brandon. I enjoyed talking to him. Um, and something that's come up since we recorded that interview um, on Friday of this past week, uh, Brandon opened up an interesting offer to his fans. As you may know, uh, author Eric Arvin um, has a GoFundMe campaign in progress uh, to help him afford a quad. I think it's called a quadrizer. Quadricizer. Uh, quadricizer. He's much better saying that than I am. A quadricizer. <laughs> which will help him uh, with his physical therapy and movement exercises to prevent muscle atrophy uh, since he is paralyzed from the neck down. Brendan extended an offer to anyone who donates $1,000 or more to this campaign uh, that Brandon will write them into one of his books or short stories. Either uh, in a novel it'll be for a supporting character or in a short story it could even be uh, the primary character. The full details of this are on his Facebook page and we link to that in the show notes. Along, we link it to Eric's GoFundMe page. Uh, it's a great cause that many authors and readers in this genre are supporting, uh, including us. We've made our own donation to it. And uh, in this season of giving um, around the holidays, we hope you can give what you can uh, to Eric's campaign. Whether or not it's enough to get into one of Brandon's books uh, is up to you. But we, we thank Brandon for taking that opportunity to really try to make a dent into Eric's fundraising goals. Yeah, definitely. It's a good thing. How about we get to this week's question of the week? Absolutely. This was a hard one for me. Okay. Now, Brandon, in his interview, um, came up with the question, what's a story that you want to read that you haven't heard yet? Or what's the new thing that you're looking for? Do you have an answer? This was hard for me. Um, I've kind of thought about it since we did the interview, which was like two weeks ago now. Um, I would really like to see... I guess stories that expand on the LGBTQ spectrum, mm -hmm. put some more trans people in, uh, go for some asexual folks. I know TJ Klune, I think, recently did an asexual book, which was great to see. I think the, the wider we cast our net in characters, the richer the overall storytelling experience will be. And so I'd really like to see that. I don't know if it falls into necessarily a subgenre of any kind, but just expanding the character realm, I think, is is great. And especially expanding it where we can in uh, principal characters rather than just support characters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I wonder, hmm, I wonder how you would designate a book that, uh, I don't know, it's... Mm. To, to pay, 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 piggyback off of what you said, um, I am personally a very, very big fan of Aiden Dowling. Aiden Dowling uh, is a guy you may remember this past summer. He kind of blew up all over the internet. First, he took a... Uh, 
uh, a photo appeared online of him recreating a racy Adam Levine picture. And that was kind of everywhere for a while. And then he was the, um, I believe he was at the top of the list of uh, uh, men, the men's health uh, cover model contest. He got more votes than like the rest of the top five combined or something insane like that. Um, so yeah, some, I would be interested in reading gay trans man fiction because I think trans men are crazy hot. <laughs> yeah, I would agree with that. Um, <laughs> now, now though gay trans men are rare, um, they do exist. Mm-hmm. They, they're kind of like special magical unicorns, but, um, <laughs> Yeah, I think that would be um, very interesting. I would be interested in reading something like that. All right. Yeah. So what's it, what's it for you guys out in the listing audience? Uh, you can tell us your answer in a number of ways. You could tweet us at Big Gay Fiction. Leave a comment on this episode's uh, Facebook page at facebook.com slash Podcast. You can also leave it in the comments for this episode on YouTube or on the website at biggayfictionpodcast.com. And, of course, you can email it to us at jeffandwill at biggayfictionpodcast.com. And, of course, while you're writing, feel free to suggest a future question to us as well. Um, Because those are always fun to get. Yes. Now, remember, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, and on YouTube. You can watch us be witty. (laughs) (laughs) On video. (laughs) On video. It's it's actually nothing all that special, but anyway. (laughs) Um, We'd also love to get reviews on any of those channels. where Wherever you watch or listen to us, if you could consider taking a few moments out of your day to... To leave a review, that would be very helpful and uh, awesome. It helps with uh, the visibility of the podcast. Yes, absolutely. You can also leave comments uh, while you're answering the question of the week or any other comment you'd like to have at any of those places we'll just mentioned, as well as the website at biggayfictionpodcast.com. And from there, you can also sign up for the monthly newsletter. We'd love to get emails from our listeners, and you can send those to Jeff and Will at BigGayFictionPodcast.com. That's it. So that's another week done. Hope everybody has a good week this week, and we will catch you back here next week. See you next time. Thank you for listening to Jeff and Will's Big Gay Fiction Podcast. For detailed show notes, go to BigGayFictionPodcast.com.